Why can't you schedule any meetings in a library room? It's because they're always booked. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on spring from COVID. And our guest this week, well, she's a financial planner that, well, she is sharp on so many different tiers. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. I'm here with Debbie Sharpentier, the owner of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you. Good morning. For visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? My name is Debbie Sharpentier and I'm the owner of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies and I've been a business owner for 32 years and I pride myself in making financial planning simple for people, understandable. The reason we're here talking with Debbie is for a variety of reasons, including the Cal Savers program that's coming up. And we'll talk more about that in the second segment, especially if you're here in California. But the first thing I've got to ask you, Debbie, is you could have been a hazardous waste disposal technician, you could have been a veterinarian, but you decided to go into financial planning instead why did you choose to do that? This business, this career, found me. Okay. Uh, this is my second career. I worked in uh, food and nutrition in a hospital, and I enrolled in the retirement plan. And the lady that enrolled me became my mentor, uh -huh. and she recruited me into this business when I was 27 years old. You've been doing this for a couple years. Yes, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> what possessed you? to want to actually own the business rather than being an employee? I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad was a business owner and I always knew I would have a business of some sort. Uh, it was just in my blood, it really was. What did your dad do? He was an electronics component builder. What so is that? He <laughs> built loudspeakers and all the components for speakers, okay. stereo systems. When you saw your dad doing that, why did you look at what he was doing and say, yeah, I, I want to own my own business too? I like the uh, independence, the flexibility okay. of a schedule, Okay. being able to do many different things during a day rather than being set at a desk. Oh. I don't like punching a time clock in and out. That right. is not my nature. Right. Uh, I just like doing you know, what I'm going to do. One of the things, too, is you chose to partner with Lincoln Financial. And you've been a partner for, with them for years and years and years. And why did you choose them, or did they choose you? That's a very good question. Thank you. <laughs> so part of the interview process, uh, when I was interviewing with Lincoln, when you become a financial advisor, mm -hmm. it is a long-term uh, decision. Mm. Because if you're going to have people trusting you with their finances, trusting you with their money. They told me from the get-go that you have got to be sure about this business. Right. And so a requirement of the interview process was interviewing three other companies. Mm. So I interviewed uh, three different companies. I lived in San Diego then and I 
realize that Lincoln was by far the best. How so? Personable, uh, mentor, you know, many opportunities to mentor, and in the beginning we had market access. What's market, what's market access? Market access was when um, we were the company, the only company for hospital retirement plans. Uh, so every hospital in California right. utilized Lincoln Financial Advisors at the time to come into their hospital and teach each employee how to save for retirement and how to be financially set. And if there is one industry that thinks long-term, it's the healthcare industry. Yes, yes. There are a lot of different financial advisors out there. I mean, you can go out there and literally shake a tree and they just fall out. They are everywhere. Yes. And what makes you different from every other financial advisor that anybody can find on the street? Thank you for bringing that point up because it is very confusing for people and I know that. One of the main things is that I do partner with Lincoln Financial Advisors and they are my broker dealer. You have to clear your business through a broker dealer. So when you're starting to approach a financial advisor and figuring out who you want to work with, mm -hmm. it's a really big decision. But Lincoln is one of the biggest uh, broker dealers you know, in the world and they give us independent architecture, which means I can work with almost any financial company outside of Lincoln if it's the best product for my client. Really? So we're independent. Many companies are held captive, which means they can only sell their company's products. So if your client comes in mm -hmm. and whatever product or service Lincoln Financial has that isn't up to snuff mm -hmm. for whatever that client is, you can actually take that same client and use another company and Lincoln's okay with that. Yes. Give us an example of where that's happened for you where you've said, you know, Lincoln is great, but mm -hmm. this is better. Give us an example of how that works. An example would be uh, long-term care. Long-term care insurance is a very important uh, protection. Lincoln offers uh, one or two programs, and it is appropriate for certain health issues mm -hmm. and not others. Right. So I make sure that in my toolkit I have you know, maybe four or five different companies that offer long-term care. Each one has its own specialty as far as what type of client it fits. Mm. And so then I figure out which one is best for the client, teach the client, and then they choose which one they want. I tease that we're going to be talking about CalSavers in the next segment. And the reason is, is this is a really big deal, especially if you're an employer in California, because this is going to change a lot of things. But before we get into the next segment, if visioneers want to get out, get in touch with you, how do they do that? Please call me at 661-322-5204, or you can email me at debbie.sharpentier at LFG, and that is spelled D-E-B-B-I-E dot C-H-A-R P-E-N-T-I-E-R at LFG.com, and that stands for Lincoln Financial Group. Charpentier is Belgian? French. 
French. Charpentier. Ah, Charpentier. Charpentier. You should use that instead. I should. I should. <laughs> it is way more sexy. Way more sexy. And if you like Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And we'll be right back with more on Cal Savers because this is changing the small business world faster than you can possibly know. Your face is your brand. Portraits are important because you need to be the face of your business. Whether you're the business owner, you offer a product or service, you need to put that out there. It's the representation of your company. You can find Red Crane Portraits online at redcraneportraits.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can call us at 661-243-0931, or you can email me at shauna at redcraneportraits.com. Your face is your brand, so call Red Crane Portraits today. I'm here with Debbie Charpentier, the owner of Charpentier Wealth Strategies, or is it Champotier? Champontier. Champontier it is. <laughs> <laughs> and our visionary question comes from Maggie, who asks, by June of next year, the state of California is requiring all employees to participate in either CalSavers or their own retirement plan. Well, what about business owners themselves? Are they required to participate, or what alternatives do we have? Great question. So yes, CalSavers is bringing... Well, first of all, what is CalSavers? CalSavers is a mandatory retirement plan that the state is requiring that all employers with five employees or more mm -hmm. offer to their employees. And it's basically a payroll deduction, IRA. Mm. And so I'm happy that a mandatory retirement plan is being offered simply because it increases the awareness and maybe the urgency to an average employee to save for retirement because most people won't save on their own. Does this plan cost the employer any money? It doesn't. And that's another big, uh, big benefit of this plan. It's easy to sign up. There aren't any fees to the employer. There's not a, a mandatory match that the employer has to participate in. So it's very simple. Um, you can do the Cal Savers, their program, or you can offer alternatives, which I've been offering an alternative. Does the employer have to include the Cal Savers as part of their standard payroll deduction process for the employee? And do they have to monitor that the employee is continuing to put money into Cal Savers? All that is required of the employer is that they offer the program. The employees and the employer, they're all eligible, employer and employee, can opt out. Mm. So actually saving is not mandatory, Okay. Uh, but they can opt out and they can stop and start. Uh, it's very, very flexible. What are some of the strengths of the CalSavers program? Payroll deduction is always a plus for people. I don't know about you, but... I, especially as a younger person, was not disciplined about saving. Right. So when I was offered a retirement plan through payroll deduction so that I could pay myself first before I went and spent it on something silly, I was able to save. Is this a pre-tax deduction or a post-tax deduction? It can be either. Oh, really? And the employee and the employer, each person gets to pick. So do they want to do pre-tax or do they want to do post-tax or what is called the Roth IRA? And what's Roth IRA? Right. So Roth IRA is very popular because you deposit your money after you've been taxed. So it's post-tax, 
and every dollar that you invest in your account grows tax-free for your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And having a bucket of money that is tax-free is a beautiful thing. Do you get taxed on that money when you pull it out of your Roth IRA? No. Ah, it's because you've paid your pre-tax. Yes. So if you put your money in pre-tax, then you have to pay your taxes when you pull your money out. Correct. Okay. Now, what are some of the reasons why you're advocating for alternatives to people putting money into the CalSAVERS program? Uh, You know, state of California, sometimes employers are just a little bit leery, and so they've asked me to research other companies and offer a different plan. And what plans have you found? The, the one I've been working with is American Funds. Uh, they've been around, you know, since the Great Depression, and they are solid company that I'm familiar with. I've always worked with them. Uh, there's a couple others that I could offer, but I, I really think highly of the American Funds. And, um, and why is that? What makes them stand out over the state-run system? Their uh, track record, basically, you know, like I said, they started back in the 1920s. They're based out of Los Angeles, and uh, they don't spend a lot of money on advertising. They depend on word of mouth between advisors to teach their clients about them. So they're very good stewards of, you know, their money. So is this, finances. is this where we put in the, the little disclaimer on the bottom of the screen <laughs> that says, you know, your financial future is not dependent on returns and all that? Yes. You, you probably yes. know that yes. better than I. What is that, what is that blurb? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. No guarantees. No, uh, you know, I can't guarantee you're going to make 10 or 20% on your American funds today or something like that. And you're not going to guarantee you're going to have any money left whatsoever. Right. But track record has been typically, and this is kind of important too, is is the American fund that you're talking about, is this an index fund where it's based on the S&P 500 returns or what is, where does that money come from? So the American Funds has about 50 different funds to choose from. Mm-hmm. And rather than making that decision of which fund to choose right. with the employees, mm-hmm. uh, I went with the target date funds. So a target date fund is where you can uh, choose a fund that is close to your retirement date. Mm. So like I'm probably going to retire in eight or 10 years. Okay. So I would choose a target date fund close to that time. Mm. And, and so, the tar- and the target date fund says, okay, we're going to invest money till this date, and then we're going to start withdrawing it at this date. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the risk, mm-hmm. the risk for that kind of fund. So say, I enrolled somebody last week, and she's going to retire around 2060. Mm-hmm. So that money will be invested fairly aggressively until we get closer. 2050, 2055, 2060, so that the money will be invested properly so she can access it around 2060. That's the way it's designed. Now, I'm nerding out on this. I apologize for this. But so when you're going through and your money's being invested, it starts off with much more aggressive stocks and and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then when you get closer into retirement, it gets more into bonds, life insurance, those kinds of investments. Is that correct? So you're you're saving your money or you're you're having less risky investments when you're getting closer to retirement, correct? Yes. 
Okay. For the client of yours that is 2060 out, mm -hmm. what are some of the more aggressive investments that the, that the program starts off with? So uh, big tech companies, you know, investing around the world, not just in America. Mm -hmm. There's so many other opportunities outside of America. We, we are pretty, you know, pretty well set here. But thinking about third world countries and different technology, you know, outside of here. So make sure you take advantage of that. Make sure you're buying shares of companies and industries that are all over the world and, and capitalize on opportunities. And part of my job is helping somebody to develop their confidence in that. Someone might come in and say, I don't like risk. Right. I don't want any risk. Right. Just put me in a CD. Right. Well, CD is probably paying about 2% interest right now. Which How? is far less than inflation. Yes, far less. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that you've got to work through as you start to develop an investment plan. We mentioned a little bit in the previous segment that you have the entrepreneurial spirit and with that comes risk mm -hmm. because it's not the safe stable secure job that we you know that we think of when you become a business owner you're taking a certain gamble when you go out and part of business ownership too is being willing to accept that risk now you also mentioned the first segment that one of Lincoln's strengths is the hospital industry. Yet, not always has this been the case for you. Mm-hmm. So you want me to share what happened? Please. Okay. So, uh, I built my business. I had thousands of customers. Uh, we worked at Mercy Hospital, Memorial Hospital, all the local hospitals, and it was my job every day to go to the hospital. I had a wonderful community of, you know, customers and potential customers, and that's what I did every day. And all of a sudden, without very much notice, uh, our company was notified that we weren't needed on site at the hospitals anymore. Wait, and one thing real quick. Yes. How many thousands of customers was this? The first hit was about 3,000, 4,000 customers, which meant their payroll deduction, their funds that they were investing were no longer going to be coming to Lincoln or to me. Wow. I still remember that day like it was yesterday. And that's when I was, that was the beginning of just being tested. How bad do you want this business? Are you sure you want to stay in business? My kids were young then. I was in a fairly new marriage. I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot. And it tested me, and I've passed. <laughs> but it happened again. It happened again. It happened again. San Joaquin Hospital or Adventist Health, Bakersfield, Adventist Health, the whole hospital system uh, let us know for a number of reasons. Uh, it was a very difficult decision for them because we had been in that hospital since 1980 and the employees really valued our education and our um, support. And they had approached me ahead of time and said, this is coming. And part of it had to do with the regulations that were coming down in 2017, it was part to do with that, that they had to change. And so 
they let me know uh, October of 2016 that as of January 2017, I would no longer be doing business. In total, how many customers was this? That was about, for me personally, that was about 4,000 more. So you're talking about a total of about 10,000 customers. Yep. Yep. It was rough. And then with the changes in the law. Mm -hmm. My staff up and left in the summer of 2017 as I was getting on an airplane to go to Rwanda on a mission trip. Wow. Yes. Yes. How did you recover from this? Well, I have a very strong faith in, in Jesus, and so he brought me through. And I will always remember my boss, Celeste Gurley, she's the president of uh, our region of our company. She called me, and she's known me, you know, for many, many years. And she called and she said, Debbie, I know that you're going to Rwanda. You're going to be gone for a few weeks, and when you return, your business will not resemble anything that it ever has. But we are going to support you, and we're here for you, and we're going to help you. And that's been the case. So I have rebuilt myself uh, since 2017, kind of changed gears and my focus, leaned on mentors to teach me new skills, and uh, here I am. What's the single biggest lesson that you learned from that? that affects the decisions you make every day? One of the biggest decisions was we have no control, but we can control our attitude, and there's always somebody that needs what we do. So even though the hospitals somewhat close their doors, there's plenty of other people in Kern County and California and America, for that fact, to work with. Um, but one of the deep down was diversifying your business. Mm. I knew that I hadn't diversified it as well as I should have been, but then when you've got all these customers depending on you, that's the way you go. And so diversification of your business. Don't have a customer base in one sector. Don't have everyone in healthcare. So now my business is with healthcare, education, and then oil and gas because we have so many companies here in town, and also farming and agriculture. So I have diversified it. It was hard because a lot of people outside of healthcare, they didn't know me. They said, we never heard of you, except for Sharpentier Insurance. He's my brother-in-law, Sharpentier Insurance. <laughs> so I get free advertising from them because everybody knows his jingle and everybody knows that company. How did this event change you? Oh, it helped me to understand hardship. I'd had other hardships in my life, but a deep, deep hardship being, um, being able to coach the co-workers that did remain before we lost the first big case. Uh, one of them quit that day. She said, I just can't take this. I just can't take this uncertainty. I'm out of here. And I had been um, training her, working with her for five years. So what did it teach me? Um, 
that you can always just brush yourself off and start over. You can. And um, I've done that numerous times now that I'm reflecting on it. And we'll be right back. It's hard to believe, but we are three episodes away from starting season four here on Small Business Celebration. And I have to confess, the comments and thoughts and ideas that come from visioners just like you who reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram have been astounding. But I have to confess, Visioneer Tony is the first to send me a dad joke. So the dad joke that you saw at the top of the show, yes, you can blame Visioneer Tony for that. So if you have a thought, you have an idea, somebody you'd like us to talk to, or a really bad dad joke, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Debbie Sharpentier, the owner of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies, and our visionary question comes from Terry who asks, I find my clients are very nervous about talking about money, especially their money. How do you put them at ease so that the conversation can be more productive? That is a great question and so true in my business. So I know that when a stranger comes in, a prospective you know, client comes in to meet with me, that it took a lot to get them there because most people feel like they either don't have enough, mm. they feel like they have made too many mistakes and they're embarrassed. Mm. So they generally come in being intimidated, nervous, uh, you know, just like your visioneer has asked. So I simply try to make it welcoming when someone gets here, you know, give them a beverage, give them a snack if they need it, come on in and, and, and sit comfortably, and we just get to know each other the first meeting. Mm. How, I do have, you, how do you get to know them? How, what's the process of knowing them? I do have an exercise. Uh, it's a little game, mm -hmm. it, and it's about values. Okay. And so I have a game, and it's kind of fun to play just for them to get to know more about themselves. Mm -hmm. I get to know them in the process. And if it's a couple that's coming in, they get to learn about each other's values and what really matters to each of them and then that helps us prioritize where to begin when we do their financial planning. So that's a good icebreaker. It just takes about five minutes and that's just fun. And then you know, I if I don't ask this question, my wife, the party planner, is going to <laughs> kill me. But what is the game? Well it's simply um there's 20 different values okay. and when on, you say on little values, cards, okay. are, you know, are they like what's say? important to you. Oh, okay. Family, okay. fun, okay. happiness, All right. integrity, okay. trust. And they have to go through and define what those things are? No, they, we do, I just give them the, the flashcards and they choose the top five. Okay. And then we go into the top five in more detail and I would ask you, Michael, why is trust important to you? Ah, what does that mean? Conversation starters. Conversation starters, yeah. Nice. But in the process of these conversation starters, you are very quickly getting to the root of the issue. Mm -hmm. Why is that so important? Because generally people will kind of hide all the real stuff because ah. they come in and you know they want to present their best self. But I need to get to the real nitty-gritty quickly, quickly, right. quickly, 
uh, decide if there is a good fit between us because right. there isn't always a good fit, mm -hmm. um, whether I can help them or not. And so we have to get down to bare facts pretty quickly. And I just try to be approachable and real and non-judgmental. Um, it's not your fault that you wait till you're 60 years old in order to come in and get yes, financial planning? Exactly. <laughs> yes, sometimes that is the case. Right. So I, I know how it felt at first when I started you know, the retirement plan when I was 25. I had no idea what I was doing. I was lost and I trusted the lady that you know, enrolled me. Mm -hmm. And that literally, that one decision changed my life because here I am. Right. So I, if I sense that somebody is uncomfortable and they're closed and they just, they don't want to open up, you know, I'll just talk about different things and, and get them to be comfortable. Now, you've been in the business for 260 years. Or, <laughs> At or, least. Exactly, exactly. And you've recently been able to, to free up some of your time to start pursuing other interests in addition to your business. And what's one of the ones that you have picked up that you've started applying right now? So I, I started a new hobby a few years ago, and it brings me a lot of joy, and it's just so fun. I started sewing. 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 Is this like needlepoint, uh, embroidery, crochet? No, sewing uh, dresses and pillowcases oh. and making just uh, just sweet little presents to give to different uh, organizations. Like what? So it started with um, making old dresses to send to girls in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, uh, kids will not have any new clothing so I think a, a little dress handmade is very special mm -hmm. um, but not only is it the um, the product I enjoy uh, the process of sitting down quietly with my machine learning you know how to do the different stitches I've taken lessons here in town at a couple different places and they've been really helpful I just enjoy the process of creating. Mm. And I knew that when I was younger, but I was busy, you know, with my kids and busy with my business and my marriage and just uh, doing other things. But I've really been embracing that. And when the pandemic hit, um, I was stuck at home. Yeah. And I was stuck at home. I had to work from home for a couple months. Right. And um, I made uh, the actual face masks. That was very, very challenging, working mm. with elastic mm. and... Um, I stick with it because the hobby isn't easy for me. I struggle with the measurements and I, I struggle with parts of it. And so I persevere because now that I'm getting in a more you know, mature age, right. I think I really need to challenge myself, challenge my brain. And so I stick with it because it is frustrating at times and it's difficult, but I think that's good for me. But I really enjoy making pillowcase dresses and then handmade pillowcases and I'll donate them, you know, for the homeless shelters, for people when they come in, they have their own pillow. Uh, I find a lot of joy in that. So it's really been a lot of fun. One of the things you mentioned in the previous segment is that you had a mentor from the corporate side that really helped you guide through that very challenging process of lo losing 10,000 customers. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> that's huge, I'm sorry. <laughs> But you didn't mention that you had a local mentor that helped you. You had a corporate mentor that helped you with that. You have since 
changed that, mm -hmm. as it were. You, mm -hmm. You've learned from not having a local mentor. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing now based on the lesson that you learned from that? Well, I learned, you know, through all those big changes that it sure would have been nice to have somebody close by to talk to. Mm -hmm. I did talk to my husband a lot. He is an accountant. He's a CPA. He's the smartest person I know, and he really helped me a lot. But uh, it would have been really helpful to have a local woman, you know, possibly also a business owner, to walk me through rebuilding um, everything. And so Women Leaders in Business is a local uh, women's group that approached me and uh, Tracy Barman. I didn't know her at the time, which is hard to believe now because she's become a really good friend and I just respect her so much. And we all are uh, women leaders in business. We get together for lunch a couple times a month and uh, we have a small group where four of us get together regularly, more often than that. And we basically just support each other, help each other through whatever we're working on right now and give ideas and you know, really help each other grow. And it's just fantastic. What have you learned from women leaders in business? That um, everybody has a struggle that there's always a real person behind the persona or the um, identity that they project, that we all need each other and we should help each other and that is just the right thing to do. You know, it's, um, I'll, I'll think I know somebody in the group and then say, you wanna go for coffee? And then we'll talk and it turns out, you know, that below the surface, she's got a lot of issues. She's going through a divorce. She's uh, taking care of her mom who has Alzheimer's and there's all these things you never would know. Right. So take the time to get to know each other and um, put the time in to really get to know people. That's very uh, rewarding to me. What makes you wake up every morning and open your business? Oh. I've always been um, a self-starter and very uh, driven. Mm -hmm. I love Kern County. I love the people here. There's a lot of people to meet. There are so many cool people here. And I just want to get to know them. I want to meet new people. I want to possibly do you know, business with some of them or volunteer with them at different charities. And so that's what gets me up every morning. Well, Debbie. Thank you very much for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. And if visionaries want to reach out and get in touch with you, how do they do that? You can call me at 661-322-5204. Uh, That's my phone number. And you can email me at debbie.sharpentier at lfg.com. And we have a Facebook page. I have a website. If you'd like to make an appointment with me, the first meeting is complimentary. And you can go onto my website, and uh, my calendar is on there, and you can schedule a convenient time for us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and I'll be right back with my final thought. Your face is your brand. Portraits are important because you need to be the face of your business. Whether you're the business owner, you offer a product or service, you need to put that out there. It's the representation of your company. You can find Red Crane Portraits online at redcraneportraits.com 
I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can call us at 661-243-0931, or you can email me at shauna at redcraneportraits.com. Your face is your brand, so call Red Crane Portraits today. A variation on Plato's cave. Once upon a time in a cave far, far away, were five prisoners shackled together. And as the campfire burned, it cast light and shadow upon the cave wall, and the prisoners began to identify the shapes and tell stories of what they saw. One day, one of the prisoners managed to escape from his shackles, and he ran to the mouth of the cave where he saw beautiful blue skies. He saw beautiful green grass, and he felt the warmth of the sun fall upon his person. Excited, he ran back into the cave to tell the other prisoners what he saw and how he felt. But they didn't understand what he said. They began to laugh at him. They began to ridicule him. They began to tell him he was crazy. And after a while, he accepted what they said, slipped the shackles back on, and washed the shadows upon the wall. How often have you been laughed at, ridiculed, told you were crazy for your business? I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Debbie Sharpentier, the owner of Sharpentier Financial Services. And I hope you learned something today that you can grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.